0: we've been talking about the right introspection. And the right introspection involves learning a lot of the Buddhist concepts and apply these Buddhist concepts onto your daily practice. And as we always mention as an analogy that uh, the Buddhist teaching is like an ocean of literature. Um, it's almost like immeasurable. What the Buddha talked about over the 49 years of his life, uh, after never after enlightenment, has been so much, it's so immeasurable, it's like an ocean. And in order to taste the water of the ocean, you don't need to drink up the whole ocean it's almost like impossible. Just scoop up a few and zip it, and you know what the taste is all about. So people say, oh, I'm confronted with all these concepts that I don't know what, how to learn it, what to learn, how to pick the right concepts to learn. Just pick the right concepts. So a few concepts and you can learn it. So we've been picking up one of the most important concepts, which is the Noble Eightfold Path. And we have already learned other concepts too. So right now we are taking a cup and scoop up an ocean of unpolluted water. And then we try to save it and we know what the Buddhist teaching is all about. Don't just look at the words. People just get onto the Google and look at at these few words and memorize the words and they think they understand it. That is just literature wisdom, words wisdom. That's not enough. You already have to apply the wisdom, think about it, introspect it with insight, and then apply to the practice. So it's not easy. It's not just knowing the words. That's the reason why we have been talking that if you learn meditation, if you learn from a teacher who just teach from a book, that's not meditation. If you learn meditation from a teacher, it's just teach from a video. That's not meditation. You really have to experience it through. And some people read a book and they start to teach other people. So one blind leads to another blind and they're leading it into hell. Because when you have problems, you you don't know how to resolve them. I've been talking on this for a few weeks already. So we already have... Talk about right perspective, zama right orientation, Zama-Zangkapa. Right perspective, right orientation, that pertains to wisdom. Right speech, right action, right lifestyle that pertains to morality. Right effort, right introspection, right mental equilibrium um, uh, relates to meditation. All these are related to to the states of mind practice. Wisdom, we have talked about it already. Right speech, right action, right lifestyle is an expression of your wisdom, expression of the thought. So we've been talking about three things. Thoughts, speech, and action. Thoughts. Mentality related to wisdom and to meditation. Speech and action related to morality. So we, last time we stopped at right effort. And right effort actually applies to every one of the other seven. You have to use the right effort in practicing all the others. So it's worth going through the right effort. If I ask you this simple question is, as to what's the meaning of right effort. Can you tell me? Right effort contains four facets to it. First one, prevention. Second one, elimination. Fourth one, cultivation. And the f- I mean, third one, cultivation. The fourth one is maintenance. Don't think about it as something very simple. Just memorize the words. What is prevention? to prevent an unwholesome thought from arising. Can you do that? What is meditation? Letting go of bad thoughts to prevent unwholesome thoughts from arising. How many unwholesome thoughts we, are, we have arising from our mind every moment? All the time. Can you prevent it from arising? Very difficult. That's why we do meditation to train ourselves in preventing unwholesome thoughts from arising. What are these unwholesome thoughts? Negative thoughts. Ignorance, jealousy, greediness, hatred, anger, anxiety, depression, arrogance, self-pity, self-debasing, lots of them. Even in modern terms, bipolar, depression, I mean, obsessive compulsiveness. All these things, can we prevent them from happening? That's prevention. Elimination. To to eliminate unwholesome thought that have already arisen. You can't prevent it. It already happened to you. It comes to you. You you already thought about the depression. You already thought about the arrogance, jealousy, hatred, greediness. How do you eliminate it? The third is cultivation. Cultivation is cultivate wholesome thoughts. The previous two deals with dealing with unwholesome thoughts, and the later two of cultivation and maintenance deal with wholesome thoughts. How do you breed wholesome thoughts? How do you cultivate? Let wholesome thoughts arise. What are these wholesome thoughts? Thoughts of loving-kindness, thought of compassion, Thought of tolerance, thought of responsibility, thought of letting go of the egoistic attitude, all these positive, wholesome thoughts. How do you cultivate them? How do we cultivate wholesome thoughts? And after we have cultivated it, or cultivated them, a lot of a lot of wholesome thoughts. How do we maintain them? As if they always linger on. This wholesome thoughts always linger on and on and on so that you don't have any more unwholesome thoughts. It seems, it sounds easy, but it's extremely difficult. And right effort, right introspection Number six, right, effort, right introspection, right mental equilibrium—they are related, because they are dealing with states of mind. When we talk about states of mind, we have to know how do we think, our mental experiences. We have in the forefront the eyes, the ears, the nose, the tongue, and the body in the forefront is our perceptible sensory organs interact with externalities, and then we attach to them, and at the same time there's interaction coming up from our emotions to react to them, and then we get angry, we get jealous, we get greedy, we get all kinds of what we call problems of the mind coming up. How do we deal with them? And we have to understand what is the manager that manages our senses, our perception, the mono. The Mano, our manager, right? Those who have been here listening, you know who who Mano is. Our manager that manages our senses. Our manager that has the responsibility of taking up the old files, budgeting for the future, and living in the present moment, the Mano. And the the Mano, being the manager, managing all these, the Mano is being dominated by another thing. Your manager. You think your manager is free to do anything he wants? No. Your manager in your mind, that interact with externalities through nose, ears, tongue, taste, all these. Your mana is being dominated by what? By your manas. <laughs> right? Manas. What is manas? Manas is the seventh sense. Your seventh sense? Your seventh consciousness? Which is what? As I give an example in a company, that's the board of directors. Your board of directors is very egoistic. Your board of directors care about nothing but his own profit. It's egoistic, his self-centered, that's you. You have that malice in you and me. We start to personalize everything. And that's why we get angry. That's why, we're per- that's why we, we think we, we have a self. This is me. This is self. I have a self-respect. I want to protect my own interest. This is me. You personalize everything. And then everything gets stored, okay? Sto- stored into the eighth consciousness, which is called the ally consciousness. Just a flash-through of what we've learned in the past of the eight consciousnesses. Now, right effort that we already have mentioned, we have come to discuss, not on the prevention, not on the elimination, because we're finished with them already. We have stopped last time at cultivation. How do we cultivate wholesome thoughts? How do we cultivate them? And the Buddha suggested to us the right introspection, which is the number seven. Some What is Zaddi? Zati is, people translate sati as mindfulness, which is okay if you really understand what mindfulness means. If you just look at the superficial meaning, probably you get misled because you think mindfulness is just to fill up your mind with something. But mindfulness is not to fill up your mind with something, to be alert that it shouldn't be filled up. To be alert that your mind shouldn't be filled up with any bad things. That's mindfulness. We call it sati. There are sutras like mahasati patana or sati patana. Right? So the right introspection concerns sati. Sati is the mind. And then the mind has to be in equilibrium, which means that the mano, what is your manager, being dominated by the manas shouldn't be a tug of war. They should be more or less come into equilibrium. We want to discuss six, seven, eight together. We don't want to segregate them because they are not different. They are of the same values, the same vacuum, the same understanding. So we can separate six, seven, eight together and talk about it bit by bit. Okay, so, the right effort should be applied to the right introspection and the right mental equilibrium. So what do we mean by that? Let's get into the seven steps to awakening, which deals with the right effort applied to the right introspection. Seven steps to awakening in, 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 the, in the Pali language which is called Bojanka. The first one, the seventh step, the first one, introspection of attention. Before you can introspect with insight, you've got to drop all these wandering thoughts, gear your concentration to the thoughts that you want to get these thoughts arising. So we call it the right uh, introspection of attention. And then, of course, we go through investigation and interpretation of subjective experiences by introspection with the wisdom of the Dharma, and then strengthening of the mano with, with the right efforts, contentment of our mano, body and mind relaxation, mental equilibrium, and finally, entrance to Jhana, to the first Jhana. These are the seven steps that we're going to talk about step by step. But let us first talk about the first one. Introspection of attention. What do we mean by introspection of attention? To take our attention from what we see, hear, taste, smell, and touch and focus our attention introspectively, inside, insightfully, and continuously to four locations. We want to introspect to four locations. The first location is the body. Second location is sensation, which is your feeling. Third location, chitta. Chitta is what? Chitta is the world of directors, your delusive thoughts, your emotional state of mind. And finally, number four, the thoughts that arise in your mind. So you're, when you do your introspection, you concentrate in these four areas. And sometimes when people study Buddhism, they, they think that, oh, I memorize all these four locations, body sensation, chitta, and thoughts that arises in the mind, and that's it. I memorize them. I know memorizing it is just kindergarten. You still have to apply what you know to the practice, to your daily life, like a 24-7. You know what a 24-7 is? <laughs> 20, 24 hours a day, 7 days per week. It's a 24-7 application of introspection. Not just when you're meditating. So when you're meditating, say, I am not egoistic. I am altruistic. I always have loving kindness. I always have compassion. Then you walk out the, of the temple, and then you start to be very egoistic. You start to be angry all the time. You start to have depression. So only do, you, you may be only good when you are meditating in here. Even in here, you cannot concentrate. So what, we, what we're talking about, all this introspection of attention should be 24-7. Non-stop. When you're talking about 24-7, you really have to practice, think about it not just the words. You have to understand it thoroughly. How do we understand it? Let's talk about the body, right? Satipatthana is the cultivation of mindfulness, meditation leading to detachment and liberation of mental afflictions. Let's get an example. When a thought arises in you, a thought of depression, All of a sudden, I feel angry. I feel depressed because I have an abusive childhood. I live in a a family that my dad was an alcoholic, and he abused me, and then my mom and dad divorced, and I'm living with my single mom for 18 Mm. years. I have this depression. I have this... I don't like it. I hate it. I have anger in me. How come it's not fair for me? not only this kind of thought. Many kind of thoughts may come up. A thought arises in you that you feel, you feel uncomfortable. Then, you've got to be aware of the arising of such thought. Don't live in the thought. Distant your way from the thought and look at the thought. A thought of depression comes up. An anxiety comes up. Oh, this is a thought, this is not me. This is just a thought. How can I identify this thought with me? This is a thought, and this thought changes all the time. If I, if I always react to my thought, I will be suffering. Sometimes I have the thought of happiness, and most of the time I have the thought of unhappiness. Does that mean that I, I feel always unhappy when such a thought of unhappiness come up? Then I must be stupid. A thought, I must be, be aware of the arising of such thought as if I distanced myself from it. I can't in my first thought. I feel angry. Now, it, the, the, the anger dominates me now. I, in my hormones, in, in, in my mood, I'm moody. And, oh, no, 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 I shouldn't. I whisper, I whisper to myself, no, this is just a thought. I want to distance myself from it and look at my thought. How come I get moody? How come I'm angry? I can't just dig deep into the reasons, but I just have to watch it. I don't want to be totally depressed. I don't want to commit suicide because of all these. Life is too valuable. I have a lot of values in me. I have a lot of values in me, and how come come I want to avoid it from, from taking my own life because of this. I want to distance myself from all these bad thoughts. Can you do it? Very difficult. Extremely difficult. If you can do it, you are on your way 50% to sainthood. It's very difficult. When a depression comes up, how can I let go? When I feel angry. I'm just angry. How can I let go? When I feel greedy, I'm greedy, how can I let go? But you must train yourself. You must train yourself have that stillness of mind. Still your mind. You must allow yourself a vacuum in your mind that you want to still it, your mind. Still your mind with tranquility. And that takes training. You think you can just talk about it and you can, can do it? Can a boxer in the boxing ring just talk about box boxing? He has to go through a lot of training. I'm not, I, I, I don't like to see boxing because there's blood all over the place. No, I, don't, I, I don't like to see it, but I like, the, I like the energy behind the boxing. Have you seen Rocky? How do they train Rocky? Oh, you, you go through a lot of bruises and, and oh, it, the training itself. It's an efforts applying procedure. How can you win if you don't go through the training? How can you win negative emotions if you don't go through the training of overcoming emotions? Nothing comes easy. You think we can just get it from a teacher? The teacher said over okay, let go, let go. You think, okay, teacher, let go. But when the time comes, I cannot let go. Be aware of the rising of such thought. Watch the thought. And then what do you do? Watch the thought with the four locations, the four introspections. I will have to tell you after this slide and another slide, one of the four locations, Remember? The locations, the body, the sensation, the the location of impermanence, and then what? What's the last one? The location of non-self. And then, let go of the thought. If you cannot let go in the beginning, try to keep a silent mind and learn to accept it with understanding and tolerance. This is a simple way to put Satipatthana in a right perspective. That's Satipatthana. Now you say, okay. I was at Vernon the other day and then a question, not a question. Someone told me that some students were being bullied and when they were bullied, they didn't know what to do. You know, I was bullied, you know, when I was at, at, at grade one, grade two, grade three, that I didn't know where, where I should go to. I didn't go to my mom and dad. I just I just feel unhappy about it. So take an example as someone who's being bullied at school, someone bullying you. That one who bullied you is sending out a negative emotion. Because he hates you, he doesn't like you, or his I don't know, he's discriminative. He thinks that you're no good. He thinks that he's better than you. He is sending out a negative emotion expressed in action, in speech. And then you are, being the student, the smaller the kid who's being bullied, what should you do if that kid say, I want to fight back for my right. I want to fight. I want to learn Taekwondo. I want to learn yoke, I mean, uh, what do you call that? Kung fu. And then next time you're going to bully me, I'm going to strike you right in the face. So he said, okay, you bully me? And then he said, I'm going to use violence against violence. Punch, bang, and all that blood over the place. What happened? The principal will get you into his room and said, Sonny, I have to expel you. I have to report it to the police. What happened is just a one minute of bullying, maybe just in words. If you counter that one minute of bullying with violence of hitting and fighting and yelling and spitting and blood and everything, you are trying to magnify that little negative emotion of bully, bullying with another momentum of negative emotion, but just fighting words. You're using violence against violence. Does it work? You're adding more momentum to the negative emotion. The Buddha said, don't add negative to negative. Absorb the negative momentum with loving-kindness, with compassion. Imagine a scenario where Sunny said, okay, Okay, John, you bully me, but I'm going to forgive you, and I will just go away. But don't do it next time. He walked away with more or less compassion, tolerance. So Sonny is using the positive emotion of tolerance to meet the negative emotion of bullying. So he's using positive things against negative things or diluting out. And then somebody asks, oh, Sonny, you're, good, you're, you're a good boy, you use this against uh, bullying. He said, yes. And I feel happy, I'm going to tell this is the method to my other friends about this. So he's using consideration and compassion again. So the momentum of the original positive emotion is being ripple, ripple, ripple into higher momentum. Which effect you like? You want to use violence against violence? Or you want loving kindness against against violence? Compassion against violence? Tolerance against violence? How did Gandhi become successful in the independence of India? Because everybody is using compassion, loving kindness and tolerance against the abusive negative emotions of force by the British police during that time when India was looking for independence. So in other words, we have to know how to interact. This is not enough because we still have to mention one of the four introspections. Let's take a look at How in detail can we watch the thought with the four introspections? Okay, let's say, as an example, a thought of emotion such as depression arises in the mind. Not just just depression, unhappiness, anger, anxiety, guilt, remorse. Any kind of negative emotion arises in the mind. If you're unhappy, then what happens? Immediately, you are aware of the arising of such thought. If you're practicing Satipatthana, you say, "Okay, now, oh, I'm unhappy. A thought of negative emotion comes up in my mind. You distance yourself away from it. Don't follow the thought immediately. Whisper to yourself. This is a thought of anxiety or depression that is coming up now. I must not follow it, I'll let it go away. Whisper to yourself. Whisper to yourself. You know the power of whispering? What is that power of whispering? What do we mean by whispering? Whispering is to talk in a very low, low voice to your own mind. It's a sound producing procedure. You know what the power of sound? Do you know the power of sound? You know sound has power, right? What do we call this? What do we call this? Sound therapy, right? It's a therapy. Sound is a sound therapy. How how do we know that sound therapy works? Do you know ultrasound? Do you know how the doctors get into your body to break your, your stone bladder? They don't have to operate on you. They just use a machine-producing sound, which we call the ultraviolet sound, pierce the frequency into your body without cutting up your body and break the bladder stone. And if it's successful, you're well. But sound can do a lot of healing. What is the most powerful sound? Machine-producing sound? Or animals producing sound. Machine producing sound is in the lower spectrum of sound therapy because it's produced by man-made machine. Animals producing sound is on a, on a second higher level if it is tender loving. The sound of a bird singing, that's soothing. In the springtime, early in the morning, when I was at, uh, when I was at uh, Bowen Island, early in the morning, above 4 o'clock, 3 o'clock, I can hear this bird singing on the trees. And that's very soothing. That's very, um, I don't know, nature-related. Because I can, I can feel the happiness of the bird. I can see the bird is conveying happiness through, all through the woods, to all animals concerned, to all plants. I feel happy about it. So there's animals producing sound, or the stream running down a river, or the waves washing on shore, telling me the passage of time. And it comes, and it goes, it washes ashore, and then slowly receding. I feel timeliness, or I feel timelessness. So that's soothing. But what is the most powerful sound? The most powerful sound is from the mind of a human. If you whisper to yourself, give it the instructions to yourself, that's the most powerful sound. The most powerful sound is not from a machine. It's from a a human mind. Do you believe it? In the Second World War, in Germany, there was one man. He gave a speech he could affect millions of his soldiers. His soldiers would, because of his speech, which is sound from his mouth, went into war, blindly, for the objective of annihilating people, because of his sound of speech. A speech is so powerful that it could affect millions of people on one objective, whether the objective is good or bad, depends. Sound can lead you to hell, sound can lead you to heaven. So i not, are you not, do you not know that the sound produced by yourself is if it's the right way, whisper to yourself. That is a consciousness alert, producing sound, which is a sound therapy. So you whisper to yourself. You say, okay, this is a thought of insight inside that's coming up in me. I must not follow it. I must watch it. If I can, I let it go away. If I cannot, I live with it now. I don't hate it. I cannot put hatred on a negative emotion of depression. How can I increase? I don't want to increase the momentum of the depression by putting another momentum of hatred on it. So I don't want to get angry. I don't want to get sad. I just watched it. And if I can, I'll let it go away. If I cannot, I'll wait. Can you do that? And then what happens if it doesn't go away? What happened? If it, I do, it doesn't want to go away. Then you go on to the third. Watch the thought with the four introspections. You whisper to yourself, Now this thought makes me feel uncomfortable. You know why this thought makes me feel uncomfortable? Because if I have depression, it affects my mind. When it affects my mind, it affects my hormone. In my hormone, my amygdala in my mind is producing all this negative, this hormone for tricking my body. I feel feel that my breath is short, a breath. I feel uneasy. My heart is beating faster. I feel worried. I feel sorry for myself. I feel depressive. I feel angry. I'll let go of the thought. Take a deep breath and relax myself. How do I take a deep breath? Because this monk told me at the temple that I should be watching my breath. In and out, in and out. Antipana, antipana. So I'm going to concentrate my in and out breath. My in and out breath. That is Satipatthana. That's what we've been doing. Always get back to your breath. My in and out breath. My in and out breath. Anapana anapana sati. By the way, why do we use our breath? And not and not others. Why do we use our own breath in meditation and not any others as suggested by the Buddha? Not me, I didn't suggest the breath myself out of my own creation, it was suggested by the Buddha, Buddha Sarko 2,600 years ago. Why did he suggest the breath to us? Have you ever thought about it? If you haven't, let me give you the reason for it. Number one, that is a 24-7. 24 hours per day, 7 days per week. You always have your breath, right? You don't have to look for an object. Don't look for a magnifier. Don't look for a pond of water. Don't look for a candle. Don't look to go to Bowen night in the medical and meditate on, on the surface of a lake. When you have to travel there. The breath is always with you. Why are you still looking? What is the most important in your body? Your lung? Your heart? Your eyes, your nose, ears? No. The most important is your breath. You have your heart, your lung, but if you don't have your breath, you're dead. Five minutes, you're dead. But after you die, your heart could still palpitate for another ten minutes, right? But without a breath, you're dead. So what is the most important to you? You are meditating for the most important target that is your own breath. Why don't you want to use it? You still want to look for external. Oh. Other teachers told me that I can use this, I use that, use this. Why don't you use your own breath? It's free. You take a meditation course, they charge you, I don't know how much they charge you. But the breath it's the most akin to your body. It's the most important movement in your body. And it follows you wherever you go. You can do your breath, your anapanasati. in a subway train, on a plane, when you're driving. Mind you, you've got to bind on your road, not on your breath when you're driving, of course. But if you're multitasked, you can do both. So, you can use your own breath. So take a deep breath and relax now. And that is what? That is satipatthana on the body. On the body, the body satipatthana. On the next one, the thought of anxiety is just a thought, an unpleasant sensation. There's no substance itself, I must let it go. That is introspection on the feeling. I am unhappy, and I am, this is an unpleasant sensation. But I must say, this is just a feeling. This is not me. How can I identify this feeling as me? I am not the feeling, and the feeling is not me, but I want to associate it and mix, yes, this is my feeling I feel very unhappy and this unhappiness is me. Can I say this depression is not me? Can I say this fear is not me? Can I say this worry is not me? Can I say that? Of course you say, no, how can I say it? If I feel fearful, I feel fearful. And I said, what's the reason for you being fearful? You said, because when I was a kid, my parents got divorced, and I was looked after by my grandmom. And I had to spend all my loneliness in a dark room where I was afraid of ghosts coming to me. So I always have this fear of darkness. I always have this fear. Because I have this fear, I feel fearful. When did this fear experience happen? When? Many, many years ago when I was A kid, six-year-old kid. I said, yeah, that happened in the past, right? Can I bring the past back onto now? Can I bring the scenario of being fearful, that experience already passed, the past experience, and bring it back to happen now? I cannot. So that fear is already gone. It's a past fear. Why do I bring something of the past onto the present, and ponder on it and agonize about it. The past is past. I'm not going to let the past experience to come back. And then you say, yeah, but I'm fearful. I'll run into a spirit in the future. I worry about it. But then you say the future hasn't come yet. Why do you worry about something that hasn't come? Why do you worry about your own sickness? Okay, you have a a sickness now, and then say, oh, I'm worrying. I have the sense of, I have worrying. Why? I worry that I'm going to die. I worry that this sickness is going to lead me into unemployment. This sickness is going to lead me into, I can't make any money, then how can I support my family? Oh, this is my worry. Do you think that by worrying about it, that make your sickness better? If I say, if, if I have a serious sickness and I worry and worry, would the worrying itself help me to heal? You just think of worrying itself would help you to heal. Raise your hands. By worrying about it, it wouldn't help you, would it? Would it make it better? It would only make it worse, right? But we have the habit of worrying. Can we throw that habit away? difficult. Why? You haven't gone through your own self-training. This thought is only temporary. It's not 24-7. It's impermanent. This depression is not all the time. It comes and goes. Why do I have to hang on to it? It's impermanent. This is only temporary. Sometimes you see a kid, he's laughing, or oh, she, she has laughing time, is athletic, and, and she makes with friends, but actually, in behind, she's actually suffering from depression. And we, 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 we saw her uh, jovial part, the laughing part, and all of a sudden, we heard news about her committing suicide. Why? because all of a sudden she was hung up with depression. She didn't know that depression was temporary. She thought it's gonna stay in her mind forever. She took her life because of this. And we lost an individual who's athletic, who is pleasant to talk to and all that. I have that experiences the other day, uh, talking to kids, a few different groups of kids. And then, let's finish it up. This thought is not me. I'm not the thought. Neither am I the feeling. I must not let it affect me. I'll let it go. Non-self. This feeling of worry, depression, anger, greediness, hatred is not me. How come I identify myself with it? How come I related myself with it? How come I think that this unhappiness is me? It is not me. It is just a feeling. I've finished introspection. Introspection is to go inside. But to go inside, you need some methods. These are the four introspections. People just look at the words and they think they learned it already. You have to apply how to whisper to yourself, how to auto-suggest to yourself, Auto suggestion, you know what auto suggestion is? Auto suggestion is to talking to yourself in the right way. You know how, this, how successful salesmen every day get up in the morning before they brush their teeth? Every time when they brush their teeth, they look in the mirror and they say, auto suggestion, auto suggestion. I'm going to sell 10 cars today. I'm going to call up 100 cars. I'm going to make sure that all these cars, I'll put up a smile. I was positively looking for clients to sell my 10 cars. 10 cars is my target. I'm going to do it. I'm going to auto-suggest to myself that I will achieve. I will be better. I will talk amicably to many, many people, make sure that I have the sales come true. There's auto-suggestion. Can you auto-suggestion on learning Buddhism? Auto-suggestion is what? Is actually the four contemplations that the salesmen have been using to be successful in salesmanship. They're using the Buddhist teaching. They may not know about it,